Thanks for downloading this episode of Cork Talk with me, Tim Atkin. A weekly conversation with some of the most famous people in the world of wine. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Nomacork by Vinventions. Driven by a commitment to innovation, the new plant-based Nomacork Green Line offers significant improvements in wine closure performance. Thanks to a rigorous oxygen ingress rate, you can decide which cork is best for your wine, whether it's for young and fresh wines or for those with ageing potential. Yves Cuiron took over his family's estate in Condria and Saint-Joseph in his early 20s. The space of just three decades has turned it into one of France's star names. Our fascinating conversation covered his love of Viognier, the difference between the two banks of the Rhone River, clones of Syrah, including Serene, Yves' California joint venture, and his ongoing experiments with historic grapes such as Durif and Dureza. Hello, Yves. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? You're sounding very happy. What's what's you finished the harvest today, haven't you? Yes, we finished harvest, so <laughs> it's a great moment. So the last day, uh, and uh, the harvest we have a very good weather, so it uh, it was not too stressed this year. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. And where are you speaking to us from? You're in the Rhone, obviously, because you just finished the harvest. Are you in the winery or are you at home? No, I leave the winery. I am at home now. Yes. <laughs> okay. So tonight is going to be a big party, is it? <laughs> the party will be um, in uh, some days. <laughs> okay, and I know you. You like partying. <laughs> Listen, lots of stuff I want to talk to you about. I mean, I love the styles of your wines, both white and red. Let's just begin a little bit of family history because you're what, the third generation uh, a vigneron and winemaker. Is that correct? Yes, I said I am. The, it's the third generation because it's my grandfather Claude Cuiron who mm. began to bottle wine during the forties. 1947 exactly and uh, after it was my own call in 1960 uh, Antoine Cuiron and me I make my first harvest in uh, 1987. Okay and were you brought up around wine I mean did you go to the cellar and work with your uncle or your grandfather? Yes it was not uh, my father who was the winemaker, it was my uncle, yeah. but uh, uh, my, my family, uh, every every year for the harvest, there is an excitation about the, and I was uh, outside uh, to see the preparation of the harvest and uh, since I, I am very young. And, and did you spend time in the vineyards when you were a kid? Yes, yes. When I was king, I spent time in the vineyard. I spent time uh, at the, in the cellar and uh, and uh, with my father. He, I, I begin to drink wine very early at ten years old. <laughs> ten years old. <laughs> what did you drink when you were ten years old? Must have been Syrah, right? So uh, it, it, yes, it was Syrah, but with uh, water. <laughs> ten years old, just a small quantity uh, in the bottom of the glass. Yes, I think there was some time in the past in France when people schools used to give kids wine at school didn't they i mean watered down yeah, yes uh, at this time it was very different from now yes uh, there, there is a wine in school yes uh, before the 50s yes yeah and but i mean i read in remington norman's book a very good book Rhone renaissance that the, the domain when you took it over was on the verge of being sold yeah in in, in the in the early 1980s why, why was that Yes, because uh, it, uh, when my uncle uh, have to, to to stop to work, uh, he, uh, he don't have children uh, interested by the, the family vineyard. Uh, so the family uh, speak about selling the, the vineyard. 
And at this time, I just finished school and uh, I was interested by, by the wine, by drinking wine. And uh, I, I don't really work uh, uh, and learn uh, f- for the winemaking, but I was interested by the wine. So I decided to, to make an adult school to, to learn and, and, uh, and follow after my uh, uncle. So did you have to convince your family? Did you have to persuade them to let you do yes, it? Yes. Uh, at, at the beginning, they, they don't believe, uh, uh, because uh, I never said when I was young, I, I will be winemaker. Uh, I, li- I like drinking wine, but, but I never said that. And when I take the decision, uh, yes, my family was a little surprised, yes. So what did you want to be? A chef, was it? No, or an engineer? What did you want to be? Yes, I, I think uh, I, I, uh, engineer and to work in the uh, mechanic, yes. Not gastronomy, because you love gastronomy as well. Yeah, I, I love, yes. My, my father uh, learned to me to, to eat good, good, uh, good cooking, and uh, I, I am very like that, yes. So, so, so what did you do? So you've just finished school, right? You decide that you say to the family, I want to take over the domain. Yes. How did, what did you do next? So uh, I have to make an adult school. And before uh, making this adult school, I have to be intern during uh, one year. And uh, my uncle uh, said to me to go in the Corbis family. It's, uh, it was a, a, a good winery in, uh, near Kernos. Uh, so I spent one year in a, fa- a Corbis family, yes. With Maurice Corbis. Yeah? With Maurice Corbis in yeah. uh, 1985. And, and then you went to Burgundy to study, didn't you? Yes, and after, uh, the year after, uh, I, I spent 20 years in, uh, in Macon. Macon. And was that good? Was that interesting, studying with Burgundians? Yes, yes it was. <laughs> for me, it was one of my best years of my life because uh, it's the first time I go to school uh, uh, and I, <laughs> I was very interested by, by learning about winemaking and uh, I have a project after, so it was very uh, good years. And I, I make, uh, it was a, a great, great years, yes. And you still have lots of Burgundian friends? Yes, yes, yes. We, <laughs> we still have some friends from this time, yes. <laughs> so then you came back to the family domain, yeah, and this is in 1986, and your first vintage was, was 87, yeah? Yes. Yeah, I just want, what sort of shape was the domain in in those days? Were the vineyards good? I mean, you didn't have many vineyards, did you? Yes, so, so uh, the, the family vineyard was uh, very small. It was only uh, three hectares and half, mm. uh, one hectare of Condrieux, two hectares of Red Saint Joseph, and uh, half of one hectare of White Saint Joseph. It was uh, only that. Mm. And uh, I am of the generation of the winemaker. We make the renaissance of the Northern Rhone. At this time, uh, during the beginning of the 80s, uh, the Northern Rhone nearly disappeared. And, uh, but there is a renaissance in this time, and there is a lot of... Uh, uh, winemaker of my generation who, who begin at this time the, during the 80s and 90s. Mm. And, and what sort of condition were the vineyards in? Were the vineyards good? Yeah, yes. Uh, it, at this time, it was easy to... to yes, the, my family vineyard was a, go, a good vineyard. It was mm. old vines in a, in a beautiful place. Mm. And uh, also at this time, it was easy to to find a uh, land mm. and it was uh, uh, not expensive it uh, because there is uh, the vineyard was very small at this time mm. yeah and, and did people take you seriously you were very young right you were in your 20s um, did they say who's this guy <laughs> yeah, yes and especially uh, especially at this time the uh, the the 
people think uh, too young. It's not uh, somebody who knows about wine. So it was a little difficult for me uh, when you are very young. Mm. And, uh, you have to prove, you have to... Uh, and uh, now it's more easy, I think, for the new generation to beginning. And uh, But uh, in my time, it was uh, more difficult. And, and who helped you? Who supported you? Was it, was, it, was it people of your age or did some of the older people help? So uh, my family helped me. So uh, my uncle, of course, is, he, he stay he stay with me uh, during uh, four five years to help me, and my father also, my own, my other uncle, and uh, uh, yes, it was. Uh, I have a lot of help at this time. And you say only three and a half hectares, and now you've got what seventy five. Uh, yes, now I have 75, yes. Wow, that's unbelievable progression, yeah, yes, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I never believe I will, I will have that one day, yes. So in those days, it was just Condrieu and Saint-Joseph, yeah? Yes, I just yeah. begin with two appellations, Condrieu mm. and Saint-Joseph. Mm. And uh, now I, I have uh, six crews from the eight we have in Northern Rhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it miss uh, only uh, Chateau Grier and Hermitage. We can't have Chateau Grier because yes. it's a monopole. <laughs> and Hermitage is difficult too. <laughs> Why? Because Hermitage is too expensive, is it now? Yeah, it's, it's very expensive and it, everything is planted now and yeah. it's very small. And, and, and often it's owned by the big company like uh, Chapoutier, Delas, uh, Jaboulet. Yeah. So, so it's, it's uh, difficult to, to find Hermitage, yeah. yes. For people who don't know it, I mean, it's a very beautiful place. Tell us a bit more about the Northern Rhone Valley. Like, what are the major influences on with the climate, the soil types? Is it all granite? And, and the two banks, because you've got a, le- a bit like Paris, you've got a left yes. bank and a right bank, yeah? In fact, the, the Rhone River, it's uh, dif- uh, in the, each side of the Rhone River, it's a different kind of soil. Uh, in the right side of the Rhone River, it's a mountain from the uh, centre of France. It's mm. a massive central mm. and, and uh, it's granitic. Mm. And the left side, it's um, sediment from the Alps. So it's very different. The big majority of all the crews are on the massive central side, so on the right side, on the granitic soil. And the particularity, it's um, it's very steep. It's in a vineyard in terraces, and and and, and that it makes the, the big particularity of the Northern Rhone. The fact uh, it's a, a big majority, it's a vineyard in terraces. Mm. And, and granitic soil. Mm. The second particularity of the Northern Rhone, it's the climate, uh, because we are not in a Mediterranean, Mediterranean climate, we are in a semi-continental climate, so it's a more cool climate. It's for that in Northern Rhone, we don't have variety we have in Southern Rhone, we don't have Grenache, Mourvedre, Sinso, we only have Syrah for the red. And it's it's make a wine with a good balance in Northern Rhone because it's not too warm uh, and we always have a Syrah with uh, acidity with freshness and uh, so the particularity is that it's a, a fresh climate with uh, the specificity of a vineyard in terraces. And you can see those terraces both from the road, can't you? But also the train yes, when the train yes. goes through the the TGV, yeah. you can see them next to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're stunning. So, so how many how many of the top vineyards are on are on the left bank? On so, um, all, all the appellations uh, are on the right side. Hmm. Only uh, Hermitage and Cruz Hermitage uh, are in the left side. But okay. uh, Cotretti, Condrieu, Chateaugrier, Saint Joseph, Cornas, Saint Perret are on the massive central side of the Rhone. 
Yes. And yet Hermitage is probably the most famous vineyard, isn't it? Yes, but Hermitage, uh, the specificity is the same kind of soil than the right side because the Rhone River cuts the Massif Central. So uh, you have granite in the two sides. Uh, but you don't have granite in Croix Hermitage. Uh, a small part of Croix Hermitage have a granite too. In the north, uh, around Hermitage, uh, you have uh, some uh, Croix Hermitage with granite. But the big majority, it's a sediment soil from the Alps. In- interesting. Yeah. So you, the, the Alps on one side and the Massif yeah. Central on the other. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the way you farm because you're not organic, you're not biodynamic, you're not conventional. It's sort of. I think you, I don't know what you call it exactly, but it's interesting on your website, which is great, by the way. How would you describe the way you farm? So um, uh, I always work with, uh, in French, we call that the culture raisonnée. So it's not organic, but it's, um, you try to, to, to have a, a good reflection of what you do and to use the less uh, treatment as possible to, to work the vineyard, uh, uh, with, uh, for example, I work my vineyard with a low vigor. Uh, with a low vigor, you, you, you have less daisies in the, in the vineyard. So I do, and my own call before me, uh, used to work like that, uh, culture raisonnée. So you don't use uh, insecticide, uh, only uh, organic uh, fertilizer. And I continue like that. Uh, but I moved uh, two years ago. Uh, so now uh, I moved to, to be organic. Ah. So I am in the second years of, um, of organic, yes. Ah, so you're converting to organic, are you? Yes, I, I am in the second years of converting, yes. Okay. And would you ever go biodynamic or not? Uh, no, uh, no, because uh, uh, I don't uh, understand everything in, in biodynamics. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting that when you took over the domain, you were yes. best. No- it was best known for 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 Condrieu, wasn't it? Yes, yes, because my, my own call before me, uh, was, uh, at this time, uh, uh, one of the bigger producer of, uh, of Condrieux, uh, and, uh, and, uh, so we, our Condrieux was selling in the top restaurant in Rhone, in, uh, La Pyramide and in a Beau Rivage. It was, and, and my own call sell, sell his Condrieux to the beautiful restaurant. And, uh, and when I begin, there is not a lot of production of Condrieux. Mm. So we were very famous for Condrieux. Ah, interesting. I mean, Viognier is not an easy grape to grow, is it, or to make, but I love yours. You, you're, they're fantastic. Just tell us what's the secret of making good, good Viognier in terms of things like alcohol and, you know, acid, acidity. How do you get balance right in, in Viognier? Yes, me, I said Viognier, it's a easy and difficult variety. It's easy because it's an aromatic variety. So when you, you make a wine with aromatic variety, it's more easy to have flavor, to have uh, expression. But it's difficult because it's difficult to, to keep a balance with Viognier. What is important is to preserve the acidity, uh, not too rich. Uh, Viognier can be a little heavy, can be uh, with uh, not enough acidity, too much alcohol. So uh, it's for that it's difficult. So you have to, to, to find the way to, to have the perfect balance, to have the good expression of Viognier. Do you pick early? Do you, you don't acidify, do you? No, it's not. Uh, the solution is not to pick early. Uh, uh, sometimes when we said, oh, there is not enough acidity. Mm. But for me, it's very important to have the real ripeness in the grips. And if you 
pick early, you are uh, green and it's make a wine um, uh, without body, without uh, complexity, and it's it's very uh, so. So the solution is not to pick early; it's to to pick at at the right time. So mm. it's depend of the vintage, depend at uh, uh, of the yield, of a lot of thing. Mm. Uh, but uh, yes, to to find the balance between the ripeness and the balance, yes. And and does it age well, the uh, Condrieu? Yes, me, me yeah. I always say that uh, the the Condrieu can age very well because it's a wine making with a, a low yield in the terraces, in granitic soil, and the vinification is making uh, uh, slowly in barrels. And uh, so for me, it's really a wine with a good potential of aging. Mm. Uh, and, and when I sell my wine to my customers, I always said uh, uh, Viognier is very aromatic, young. Yeah? If you drink it in, in the uh, three, five years, it's uh, varietal aromas of the Viognier with violet, apricot, peach. Uh, but uh, you can also uh, keep the bottles and drink after 10 years. Okay. It's an, another balance, another wine. But very interesting too, and I, I still have some bottles from my beginning, yeah, from from the eighties, nineties. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, if the cork is good, but you can age uh, very well. Yes, good. Uh, Nineteen eighty-six, I think, was when I first met you. You'd created Les Vins de Vienne, yeah, with Pierre Gaillard, the wonderful Pierre Gaillard, and François Villard. Yeah, uh, just tell us what Vins de Vienne does. Is is it a negotiant business, and, and how? Does it evolve? So the the, the creation of the Van de Vienne uh, at the beginning, it we, we make this joint venture at three. It was uh, for for replant this old vineyard of Sessuel. So this vineyard, uh, it, uh, in the history, it's a vineyard planted by the Romans, and uh, we find in a book from Pline that it was planted before the Cotroti, the vineyard of Sessuel, and. Um, uh, this vineyard uh, uh, exists uh, all over the, the time. It, it, it disappears only at the beginning of the 20th century. And the idea we have together is to to re- replant this vineyard and to 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 uh, yes to recreate an, an appellation in this place. And so, that's what you did, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, and we are very proud of that, and we are very happy of that to 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 make this vineyard come back because now there is more than twenty producers who are in the in this place, and we certainly in a two years now we will be appellation. So perhaps yeah. in a, a four five years we can have a, a, another cru in Northern Rhone. Oh, fantastic! Successful, yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, so the, 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 Les Vins de Vienne, the first idea, it was to, to re, to, to make this wine of Sessuel. Yeah. But, uh, when we begin, we, we plant the vineyard of Sessuel and, uh, uh, we, we have, uh, to, to, to find a winery to make the wine. And, uh, because we find a place a little, uh, large, we said, <laughs> and it was expensive to, to make investment for pressoir, for everything. So we said, oh, we can try together to make other wine from Northern Rhone. So at the beginning, we, we buy grapes in, uh, in Cornas, in Saint Perret, in uh, Saint Joseph, and, and we begin together, uh, to, to make all the cru from, uh, the Rhone Valley. Uh, uh, and you're still doing that as well as running your domain. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, we begin to replant the vineyard in 1996 and we, 
we begin to buy grapes to make uh, uh, together wine from Northern Rhone in 1998. Okay. And you all this time you were buying vineyard parcels, right? We said earlier you were at 75 hectares. Was it, you said it was much easier to buy vineyard land then, yeah? I mean, presumably it was a very good investment because how much more expensive is the land now than it was then? Yes, <laughs> when I begin, uh, it was very, very cheap uh, to to buy a land uh, during the eighties, and now it's it's more and more expensive. Uh, so it's for that uh, I developed my vineyard very rapidly uh, during the nineties, twenties, uh, uh, because at this time it was more easy to find land and not too expensive. And now there is uh, less and less uh, land to to find. And uh, and if we find one land, it's expensive. How expensive is is something like Cotroti these days to buy a hectare? In so now Cotroti, it's uh, one uh, million and half. Okay, per hectare, yeah. By hectare, Condrieu, yeah. uh, it's one million. Yeah. Euro. Uh, Saint Joseph, it's two hundred thousand uh, euro by yeah. hectare. Uh, Karnas is uh, six seven hundred. You've got to have a big uh, bank account, yeah. Yes. <laughs> T- tell us a little bit about Syrah uh, as a grape, uh, because we now know that it's got nothing to do with the city of Shiraz in Persia, as it was. Its parents were both French, yeah, Dureza, which we'll talk about later, because you're growing it, and Mondeuse Blanche. W- what's it like to work with Syrah as a, as a variety, both in the vineyard and, and in the cellar? So, so uh, now we are happy because uh, we, we know that Syrah, it, it's, it's come from Northern Rhone because it's uh, wedding between the Mondeuse Blanche and the Dureza. Dureza, it's uh, Ardèche variety and the Mondeuse Blanche, it's uh, from Savoie. So Northern Rhone, it's in the middle. So the, the, <laughs> the Syrah uh, certainly uh, begin in Northern Rhone. And uh, and I think it's a variety very well adapted to the climate of the Northern Rhone. Uh, is uh, now a lot of Syrah was planted in Southern Rhone or in uh, Languedoc or in, in the New World, in but sometimes in a too warm place. Mm. And and Syrah, uh, it's interesting if you can keep a balance, not too much alcohol uh, with a good level of acidity. Mm. And uh, in Northern Rhone, the Syrah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good expression of Syrah. Mm. It's important to say that the Northern Rhone, uh, we have our varieties. The, the, the Syrah come from Northern Rhone, the Viognier come from Northern Rhone, and uh, Marsan Roussan also. Mm. Uh, and, and so it's variety very well adapted to the Northern Rhone because it's where it's come from. Mm. And, uh, and over centuries, yeah? Yes. Over a long time. How clonally different is it? How many Are there lots of different clones? And tell us a bit about Serene. This, everybody says Serene yes. is amazing, yeah? Is Serene, yeah. is it a massal selection, Serene? During the COVID, <laughs> I, I bought some old book of uh, Ampelography, uh, and I read something interesting about uh, Syrah and Serene. Um, in, in, a, in a book from 1840, it was writing that in Hermitage we have Syrah, and in Cotroti we have another variety called the Serene. Mm. It was writing that uh, in 1840. And after, in, uh, and in the end of the 19th century, another book said uh, the first guy make a mistake, Serene and uh, Syrah, it's the same variety, it's a Syrah. Ah. But in fact, Serene comes from 
uh, it's a muscle selection. The origin is cotroti. Mm. And uh, the serine are different from uh, the Syrah we had in uh, Hermitage. And it's for that we begin to plant the Syrah of Hermitage in the northern part of the northern Rhone, in Cotroti, and uh, uh, after the 70s. Because uh, the Syrah uh, of Hermitage are more productive, make a beautiful grapes, and you can prune it uh, short. Mm. And uh, the serine from uh, the massal selection from Cotroti, it's uh, the production is uh, not very uh, regular. Uh, yeah, regular. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and uh, we have to prune it in a longer pruning. If uh. not, we, we don't produce enough. So it's for that uh, the mm. serine disappears. Uh, for the Syrah of Hermitage. And after, we, uh, during the 80s and 90s, we have the clone. Uh, so now it's mainly planted in clone. So we still have the, the massal selection of serine mm. in the vineyard in Cotroti before the 70s. So if we have a vineyard yeah. from the 50s, from the 60s in Cotroti, it's a serine. But nobody's planting it now. Yes, and and so me, uh, I have uh, some old vines, so I yeah. preserve this uh, this massal selection, and I, I replant new vineyard with uh, oh, the serine. With selection. serine, okay, interesting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Syrah can be made in lots of styles. You've talked about it, you know, cooler climate, warmer climate. How do you describe your your Syrah style? Uh, so um, for me, uh, when I make a wine, I, I want to have the, the the expression of the terroir, and uh, I, I want to make a cotroti who look like cotroti or Saint Joseph. Uh, and um, uh, for for that, uh, for me, uh, the cru from Northern Rhone have to be uh, a wine we can age. So uh, always let's uh, one percentage of steam to 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 have enough tannins to to have a good in aging. Yeah. Uh, and, How much stems uh, do you lead? Ten percent or more? Uh, I, in the average, it's a thirty percent. Thirty percent, okay, of whole bunches. Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. It's a uh, each vintage, each vineyard. It's a little different. I decide. Uh, I decide at the last minute if I see the stem less or more ripe and. Uh, so you're using stems, and then what in terms of wood? How much wood are you using? Because you, you, I think you're using less new oak now than you were maybe at the start. Is that true? So my, my, my philosophy is uh, to make a, a vinification of the wine very simple. So it's for that all my wine are making with a natural yeast. And I try to don't use uh, analogic product. I don't use enzyme, tannins, everything. Uh, very simple, like does my grandfather. And, um, and the traditional process. So, uh, traditional process uh, in Northern Rhone, it's a open tank. It's a pigeage, pump over, uh, maceration in the average of three weeks. And after, uh, all my uh, Syrah age in barrels mm. during 18 months. In the past, it was more long. It was more uh, uh, two and sometimes mm. more uh, years in the uh, in the barrels. And you were using more new oak, weren't you, in the past or not? Uh, so uh, uh, in the past, uh, they, they use less. Uh, um, traditionally, they they use less new oak. Uh, I use more new oak uh, during the nineteen twenties, and uh, now. Uh, Every vintage, I buy uh, 5% of my uh, capacity in New York, but uh, some cuvee uh, can have 
25, uh, 30% of new oak. Yeah. But, uh, and a lot of, uh, of the other cuvier mm. don't have new oak. Um, so I, 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 I put more new oak in the cuvier, uh, making more for aging. And, um, and less in the, in the, in the younger wines. Yeah. Yes. I'm interested because you travel a lot. You speak extremely good English. That's why you're always popular <laughs> uh, on panels. If you're going to places like South Africa, which, which regions outside France uh, and also within France, outside the Rhone, do you think have the most potential to make great Syrah? Um, so it's what I begin to explain. Uh, it's, uh, we have to find a, a climate appropriate, uh, for the Syrah, a climate to look like a little, the Northern Rhone climate. Mm. Um, I, I, I taste some, uh, some good Syrah in, um, in, uh, New Zealand. It's, it's new for them to, to have Syrah, but, uh, I, 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 I I test some good uh, balance in uh, with Syrah. Uh, uh, some uh, in Switzerland too. So I, I test some good uh, good Syrah, and uh, in the New World, uh, I would say the South Africa also. Uh, mm. The climate is uh, uh, it's more fresh. Um, uh, yes, Australia a little less maybe. Australia, uh, often it's, it's a warm. So mm. the, the, the chiras, uh, we have in, in Australia, often for me, uh, are very big, are very, uh, totally different of what we do yeah. in Northern Rhone. Yes. I mean, I think Syrah and Shiraz, they're obviously the same grape, but they almost describe different styles, don't you think, yeah, yes. of wine? Yeah. Yes. They, um, they, they, they take the, the first Syrah in the 19th century in Northern Rhone, and uh, yeah. You also work as a consultant, don't you, a little bit in Aix-en-Provence, and you have your joint venture, I think, in, in, in California. Where, where do you work exactly around the world, apart from the Rhone? So, so for me, it's very interesting to, I like to do that, to, to, to make a joint venture in California, for example, or to to be consultant in, uh, in Provence, uh, because uh, for me, uh, um, uh, I see a difference, uh, I see some different uh, way to thinking about, uh, it's totally different what, uh, of what I do in Northern Rhone, mm. because the soil or the climate are different. So, so we have to adapt to, to have reflection, to, to, to find the balance in the wine. And, uh, and for me, it's very interesting, uh, all this project. Uh, so do you just do those two projects? You, you do Domaine des Masques in Aix, yeah? Domaine des Masques in Aix, uh, joint venture in uh, California in, uh, with Jeff Cohn. Hmm. And I also have uh, in Luberon, uh, Ad Finesse. And, and are you a consultant there or is that a you? Yes, no. I am a consultant there uh, yeah. because uh, they, they, they want to plant the serene and, and they took the, the serene from my vineyard. And it's for that after he asked me to, to, to help them to, yeah. And why did you decide to do a joint venture in, in California? Because California is in the Northern Hemisphere, so it's in the harvesting yes. now, right? <laughs> why didn't you do one in the Southern Hemisphere? Yes, I agree that it will be more easier to find somebody, <laughs> a winemaker in South. Uh, in one time, I, I, I want to go in Chile. Mm. Uh, it will be more easy. Like that, I can uh, make two harvests by year. Uh, no, I, I go in California because uh, I, I go often in California and I, I met some uh, people and after we decide together to, 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 to make uh, wine together. Yes. So it was more of a friendship with Jeff Cohn that, 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 that came about, was it? 
Yeah, yes, it's for that. Yes, uh, because uh, we go often uh, at an event called uh, Hospice du Rhône, mm. and uh, we met uh, some winemakers passionate by the Rhône variety. And uh, year after year, we became friends, and we decided to to do something uh, together. And, and, and where are the vineyards? So the, the vineyard is located in um, in uh, Sonoma Valley, but mm. in the high altitude uh, in Sonoma. And, uh, and the, the vineyard is called a rock pile. Rock pile. Rock okay, pile I like vineyard, that. Yes. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you a little bit about climate change because um, obviously climate change is happening everywhere. Do you think that the Rhone will still be growing the same great varieties in 50 years' time that it's growing now? So, for instance, uh, mm. uh, me, uh, I begin uh, during the 80s, it was before the global warming, and, and now... Uh, Every winemaker knows it's totally changed. The weather is totally changed, and it affects uh, effectively the the, the 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 result of for, for the wine. But uh, for instance, it, it's um, for Northern Rhone, it's a good thing because uh, before when I begin, it was uh, difficult to have ripeness every vintage. Mm. And uh, we, we often we have to add sugar because we don't have enough maturity. Mm. And, uh, and now it's uh, perfect because we harvest often at uh, 13 naturally. Mm. And uh, it's more easy to have a, a good maturity every year. Before we have a good maturity every five years. Mm. And, and now uh, it's more, uh, more frequent to have a, a good maturity. So for instance, it's it's a good thing, but what I am afraid is if it's continued to be warmer and warmer, uh, perhaps it can uh, affect. Uh, yeah. We hope you won't be growing Grenache in 50 <laughs> yes. years. We won't be here. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I'm very interested in your new plantings of, of Durif, which is Petite Syrah, yeah? yes. and, and Dureza, which is one of the parents uh, of Syrah we now know. Yeah, um, Just tell us a bit more about those. Where did you plant them and why did you plant them? Was that because of climate change? <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, when I do that, I, I begin in uh, 19, uh, in 2014 uh, to, to replant this old variety. And at, at the beginning, it was because uh, uh, when we, we replant the vineyard of Sessuel, uh, uh, we, I was very interested by the history. So I find the old book, uh, and, and it's with this old book, I, I, I saw that there is an old variety, uh, interesting. And so, uh, I decided to, to replant this old variety, uh, uh, but I replant only the variety. It's writing in the old book. It's an interesting variety. And the origin is around the Northern Rhone. It's so Durif was there, was it? Yes. So Durif, it's a variety from Northern Rhone. Uh, Dureza also, it's from Ardèche. Uh, Chatus is from Ardèche. Uh, I plant also, uh, uh, I plant six, seven uh, different varieties, uh, but all from the origin is Northern Rhone, and it's an interesting variety. And at the beginning, I, I do that to to um, uh, add more complexity, to refine the new. Uh, but it's right that uh, all these varieties uh, have uh, more acidity than Syrah and less alcohol. But I don't do that for the global warming, but 
it can be interesting for the global warming. How interesting. <laughs> Tell me another thing. I mean, you, you're making wine in France, obviously. You're making wine in California. Is there anywhere else you'd like to make wine? I mean, I know that they'd love to have you in South Africa if you'd like to go make wine down there. <laughs> uh, Where else would you like to make wine? Um, uh, in one time, I, I said that uh, I want to go to Chile because for me, uh, Chile, uh, it's a good country for wine uh, because it's a, a very long country. With the influence of the ocean and the mountain, and you can choose your place uh, with the variety you choose, because uh, uh, and you can certainly find the right place for each variety. So uh, yes, it can be a good place to make wine. So if any Chileans are listening to the podcast, they should get in contact with you, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you get away from wine, because I know you, you've got a bistro, haven't you, called the, the Bistro de Serine, yes, the, yes. the great variety, in Empuis. Um, you know, is that take up part of your time? I mean, how else do you relax? Do you find time to relax? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, uh, we, we decided with uh, other friends to, 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 to have this restaurant in Empuis because we, 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 uh, we want to have a place where we can drink a good wine and uh, uh, not expensive and uh, with uh, normal food, but good food. And uh, yes, we are very happy of that. We, we don't work. Huh? We, we only... You don't work there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you created you created the bistro because you wanted to go and eat there and yeah, drink yes, wine. Yes. <laughs> and what else? What else do you like doing to get away from wine? Anything? Do you need to? Oh, I like a lot of things. Uh, I used to practice a sport, uh, uh, soccer, tennis. Uh, I like now. I like to see rugby. Yes, it's the World Cup in France. Well, I, I know, and I, I hope France win. If England don't win, I'd like France to win. <laughs> <laughs> okay, allez les bleus. Allez les bleus. Yeah. Allez les bleus. Okay, Eve, thank you so much for sharing your passion and your amazing knowledge of the world of wine, especially the Northern Rhone Valley. Thank you, and I hope to see you soon. Yes, thank you. Great to catch up with Eve, and I really can't wait to taste the fruits of those new experiments with historic grapes. Next week on Cork Talk, my guest is Greg Lambrecht, the inventor of the Corovin Wine Preservation System. Join me then. Thanks for listening to Cork Talk. If you want to read more reports, articles, and tasting notes by me, go to my website, timatkin.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at timatkin.com, and on Instagram at TimAtkinMW. See you next week.